they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday. This is the 18th of March. Happy belated St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> I hope you all really considered who St. Patrick was yesterday on his feast day. Today is the feast of St. Cyril of Jerusalem, great saint of the church. And tomorrow is the feast, solemnity, solemn feast of St. Joseph, the husband of Mary. So three great, great feast days right in a row. And um, we'll begin with a prayer. We want to ask the angels to join us. This is a, a Bible study. And so we ask the angels to enlighten us. That's what our angels do. They want to lead us to the Lord because they chose the Lord and they know um, the great gift it is to be in union with the Lord. And they want us to choose that too. So they try and help us. Um, so we'll begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus. Dominus Deus Sabaoth, pleni sunt celi et terra, gloria tua, hosanna in excelsis. Benedictus qui venit in nomine Domini, hosanna in excelsis. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O most holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray, pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And again, I want to thank all the radio stations who pick us up. I want to thank all our app listeners. I want to thank um, Rumble and those who listen to us on Rumble and Facebook. Um, and we want you to share this with anyone and everyone that you know, people at work, your family, your friends, let them know where they're out there. We just want to help people to know that um, God loves us all and he wants us to live in love, that we are supposed to be building the kingdom of God here on earth. And the kingdom of God is very specific. It is his church. It's not like uh, somebody once uh, sarcastically said, oh, yes, Jesus came to establish the kingdom and we got the church. No, the kingdom and the church are one and the same. So what I want to do here today is look at the scriptures and look at the scriptures through the lens of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, because the Catechism of the Catholic Church is a great commentary on the scriptures. 
And we're going to look at the kingdom of God is at hand. And then beyond that, you know, the, the proclamation of the kingdom and some of the signs of the kingdom, if we get that far, but we'll see how far we get. But we want to talk about the fact that the kingdom of God is at hand. And, and then while we do this, we'll, we'll see as I go through this, how the church is using the scriptures and explaining the scriptures so that we can understand how this applies to us in this moment in time in history. So paragraph 541 of the catechism reads, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of God, saying, The time of fulfillment, excuse me, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And that's a direct quote from Matthew, from, excuse me, from Mark. That's from Mark 1, 14, 15. It's the way the gospel of Mark begins is, Jesus preaching the kingdom. Um, Mark doesn't have the infancy narratives. He doesn't have the, you know, the, the early life of Christ at all. He just he begins right with the preaching of the kingdom. And it's not, it's not that this is a contradiction with the other accounts of the good news. The, the fathers of the church saw the gospel as a single whole. There were four aspects to it. There was the aspect of Matthew. There was the aspect of Mark, the aspect of Luke, and the aspect of John. So it's, it's not four different Gospels that are in contradiction with one another. It's four different authors telling us the same story, giving us the same truth. And they include different events. And some of them are repeated and some of them aren't. So it's not a problem and it's not a contradiction. Okay, and the, the Fathers of the Church, if you go back and read the Fathers of the Church, there's lots of commentary on the Scripture. So there's a lot there to deal with. So... Here, Jesus appears proclaiming the kingdom of God. All right? It, here it is. It's the time is fulfilled. What does he mean? What the prophets prophesied. The Messiah is here. The time is fulfilled. The Messiah has arrived. So it goes on. To carry out the will of the Father, Christ inaugurated the kingdom of heaven on earth. And that's, there's a footnote there. And it's, the footnote is footnote 247, and it's a quote from actually the Council of Vatican II, Lumen Gentium. And what does Lumen Gentium say there? It says, the Son accordingly came, sent by the Father, who, before the foundation of the world, chose us and predestined us in him for adopt adoptive sonship. For it is... In him that it pleased the Father to restore all things. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5 and verse 10. So it's in Christ that the Father is pleased to restore all things. To carry out the will of the Father, Christ inaugurated the kingdom of heaven on earth and revealed to us his mystery. By his obedience, he brought about our redemption. Remember, disobedience brought about our fall, brought about our estrangement from God, our being turned away from him. So Christ, through his obedience, brings us back, brings us back. The church, that is the kingdom of Christ, the church is the kingdom of Christ, already pre present in mystery, grows visibly through the power of God in the world. The church is not an invisible reality. It's not some kind of nebulous, um, ethereal um, ether or, or um, 
gas existing somewhere in, in, in theory only. No, it's a visible reality. Jesus Christ came and he founded a visible church. Just as in the Old Testament, God chose a specific people. He called them to be peculiarly his own. And that people was the Jewish people. But they weren't supposed to keep God to themselves. They were supposed to bring him to the nations and bring the nations to him. And unfortunately, as happens, we're weak and human and we've fallen and it's easier for us to do evil than it is to do good. And we need God's help to do good. We don't need anybody else's help to do evil. But um, we tend to fall into the ways of the world and turn away from God. We're oriented away from him. And even though we've, in baptism, we believe that original sin is wiped away, the effects are not. So we have to struggle against ourselves and our own flesh. Okay, and we have to t- struggle against the world also because the world is telling us, oh, you know, take it easy. God doesn't mind. He, you know, he understands. He knows you're weak. It's not a problem. Tomorrow, you can do it tomorrow. You can repent tomorrow. You can go to confession tomorrow. You can, you know, confess that sin. It's okay to commit that sin now and you can confess it later. Beware, beware, beware. All of those things are lies. They're lies. They're lies of the world, the flesh, and the devil to drag us away from God. So, The church, that is the kingdom of Christ, already present in mystery, grows visibly through the power of God in the world. The origin and growth of the church are symbolized by the blood and water that flowed from the open side of Jesus on the cross. Compare John, the Gospel of John, 1934, and are foretold in the words of our Lord, referring to his death on the cross. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. The Gospel of John 12, 32. As often as the sacrifice of the cross, which is Christ our past, which by, excuse me, as often as the sacrifice of the cross by which Christ our past is sacrificed, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. That's a direct quote. Christ our past is sacrificed. He's the Paschal Lamb, the Lamb of God. He's sacrificed on behalf of us. As often as this sacrifice is celebrated on the altar, the work of our redemption is carried out. Likewise, in the sacrament of the Eucharistic bread, the unity of believers who form one body in Christ, look at 1 Corinthians 10, 17, we're united in Christ and especially in the Eucharist because he feeds us on his flesh and blood. And it's Christ who unites us in the Eucharist. It's Jesus. Is both expressed and brought about All men are called to this union with Christ, who is the light of the world and from whom we go forth, through whom we live and towards whom our whole life is directed. In him we live and move and have our being, St. Paul quotes, but he's he's referring to the fact that, yeah, this is God. It's it's not just, um, you know, this is the reality. God has called us to live in him. So we've looked at paragraph 541. And that was just the first footnote there, Lumen Gentium 3, right? No, it was the second footnote. I'm sorry, the second footnote. So now, oh, I hear something. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we're, we're coming to the first break. That's awesome. So the kingdom of God is at hand. Let's listen and don't go away. Tell your friends to tune in here. We want to understand what it means that the kingdom of God is at hand. We'll be right back with more. Don't go away. This is exciting stuff. This is our faith.
Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, March the 18th, 2022. Again, Terry's babysitting our grandson. So he's not with me in studio, but that's all right. He's with me in spirit, and our guardian angels are here trying to help us. I hope we're listening. So we're looking at paragraph 541 in the Catechism, and we're going to look at paragraph 542. The kingdom of God is at hand. What does this mean? So now the Father's will is to raise up men to share in his own divine life. And again, that's a quote from Lumen Gentium, the Second Vatican Council. And what does it say? It says, The Eternal Father, in accord with his utterly gratuitous and mysterious design of his wisdom and goodness, created the whole universe and chose to raise up men to share in his own divine life. And when they had fallen in Adam, he did not abandon them, but at all times held out to them the means of salvation, bestowed in consideration of Christ, the Redeemer, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. The image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, Colossians 1:15. All of the elect, before time began, the Father foreknew, and also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, that he should be the firstborn of many brethren. Romans 8, 29. Romans 8, 29. Now again, as Catholics, we don't believe that that predestination, that God's foreknowledge determines ahead of time, okay, I'm going to make this soul, it's going to go to hell. I'm going to make this soul, it's going to go to heaven. No, God foreknows the good that we will do. He foreknows that we will cooperate with him. So he gives us the grace and he will give the grace to anyone who asks. And it's clear in the scriptures, Paul talks about the fact that he says, after I have preached to others, Pray for me that I myself may not fall away. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, he says in another letter. We, we can lose our salvation. It's not about God destined me for heaven or hell, so it doesn't matter what I do. No, we have to participate. Just like Christ, when he came into this world, he said, I come to do your will. That's what he says to the Father. So we too want to say to the Father, I come to do your will. Lord, you made me, you made me in your image, you've given me life, and I want to do your will. I want to help to build your kingdom here on this earth. So I want to live according to what you have established. God determined to call together in a holy church those who should believe in Christ. Already present in figure at the beginning of the world, this church was prepared in marvelous fashion in the history of the people of Israel and in the old alliance, the old covenant. Established in this last age of the world, made manifest in the outpouring of the Spirit, it will be brought to glorious completion at the end of time. At that moment, as the Father put it, all the just from the time of of Adam, from Abel, the just one, to the last of the elect, will be gathered together with the Father in the universal church excuse me, as the fathers put it, the fathers of the church, the early church fathers who wrote and explained to us the teachings of Christ and the teachings of the gospel. So the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
Okay, God does this by gathering men around his son, Jesus Christ. This gathering is the church or the, the church on earth or the beginning of that kingdom, the seed in the beginning of that kingdom. Now remember, we're not looking for a perfect paradise on this earth. We're not looking for our finality in this earth. It's the beginning. We're supposed to bring the love of God to the world so the world knows that they're loved. And they're attracted to that love. And they want to respond to that love. What a great love. God could have left us. We sinned. We turned away from him. And he comes back. He says, no, I want you back as my child. I want you to be mine. So I will adopt you in my son. My son will become man. And you can, you can be adopted as my own child in my own son. God's love is so immense. It is so great. And this is what we're supposed to work towards the kingdom of God on earth. That is a society where God is the center, where Jesus Christ is the reason we gather and he gathers us together and we gather together and we serve one another out of love for Christ, that we see Christ in one another and we serve him. Remember, he'll say at the last judgment, whatever you did to the least of my brothers, you did to me or whatever you didn't do for the least of my brothers, you neglected to do for me. And this is the judgment on which we will be condemned or we will be received into heaven. So it's not just about saying, Lord, Lord. It's about acting on our belief that Christ is really present in our world and that he's in, present in every believer. And he's, he wants to be present in every human being, that he calls all of us to be part of his kingdom, his church, God's church, the call, the, the gathering of his people. Paragraph 542, this is still about the kingdom of God is at hand. Christ stands at the gathering of men into the family of God. Christ stands at the heart. Jesus is the heart, okay, of this gathering of the family of God. By his words, through signs that manifest the reign of God, and by sending out his disciples, Jesus calls all people to come together around him. So through his preaching and by the works that he accomplished, those were his credentials to help us to believe in him. The miracles, we weren't supposed to get stuck in the miracles. We're supposed to see beyond the miracles to see the presence of God and the love of God and the love to which we are called. But above all, the great paschal mystery his death on the cross and his resurrection, he would accomplish the kingdom of God in the great Paschal mystery, his death on the cross. This is, this is his victory. It's not, oh, the resurrection comes after. The resurrection comes through. It's part of the Paschal mystery that he would willingly die. He would willingly die to free us from sin and he would take up his life. He said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down freely to take it up again. And the Father loves me because I lay my life down. But I lay it down to take it up again. Death is not the end of the story. He takes his life up again. Through, and, and so his, through his death on the cross and his resurrection, he would accomplish the coming of his kingdom. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. That's from the gospel. Um, he says that in the, in the gospel of John. 
John 12, 32, that he would draw all men to himself. So into this union with Christ, all men are called. We're all called to be in this union with Christ, but we have to respond. God isn't going to do that for us. The fathers of the church taught, God made you without your cooperation, but he will not save you without your cooperation. We have to say yes. And as Mother Teresa told Cardinal O'Connor when he was raised to the cardinalate, give God permission. Yes, God, I want you to establish your kingdom in me, and I want you to use me as an instrument to establish your kingdom, that your kingdom would come and your will be done, that your name be hallowed in my life and in the world. So we want to be, we want to be um, instruments of God's saving work on this earth. We want to be instruments of God's saving mankind. And yes, he does. He uses us as his instruments to build, to continue to build his kingdom. And if we turn away from him, we have an enemy who wants to claim the world as his own, the devil, just as he tried to tempt Jesus by saying, all the kingdoms of the world are mine. And if you'll just fall down and worship me, I'll give them all to you. <laughs> Jesus is, is, is saying in his, in his heart, no, Satan, they're not all yours. I realize you have sway over the hearts of men because of sin. And you lead men into sin. And you tempt men to think that you can give them so much pleasure. And, and you do. You get earthly pleasure, passing titillation, but you can't give them eternal life. You can only offer them eternal death. And you hide that. You hide that under the guise of the glit and the glamour of, of prestige and wealth. And, oh, everybody is looking at me and everybody's talking about me. And, oh, my, look at how they're just trembling at waiting for my next word. And, and, and uh, you know, do we? But, but what happens in the end? What happens? We're all going to face death someday. You know what? George Soros, Bill Gates, Klaus Schwartz, all of us. Doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how famous you are. It doesn't matter how much. It doesn't matter how poor you are. It doesn't matter how destitute you are. It doesn't matter if you're living in the streets. We are all going to face death someday. And we want to be in union with Christ when that happens. And this is what we're called to. So in paragraph 543, it goes on to talk about the proclamation of the kingdom. And it says, everyone is called to enter the kingdom. First announced to the children of Israel. Yes, it was first announced to Israel. This messianic kingdom is intended to accept men of all nations. Look at Matthew 8, 11, and Matthew 10, 5 through 7, and Matthew 28, 19. It's for everyone. All are called to enter the kingdom. To enter it, one must first accept Jesus' word. The word of the Lord is compared to a seed which is sown in the field. Those who hear it with faith and are numbered among the little flock of Christ have truly received the kingdom. Then, by its own power, the seed sprouts and grows until the harvest. And again, that's from Lumen Gentium, but it's also, they're explaining, Lumen Gentium is explaining and quoting Mark 4, 14, 26 through 20, 4, 14, and then verses 26 through 29. So still chapter 4. And Luke 12, 32. The parable of the sower who goes out to sow the seed, right? 
And some of the seed falls on rocky ground, and some of the seed falls on the footpath, and some of the seed is eaten up by the birds, and some of it falls among briars, and some of the seed falls on good soil. And any one of us might be the rocky ground, or the footpath, or the briars, or the, bir- the, the, the seed that the birds of the air come to pick off the footpath, or, or we might be the fertile soil, but we have to tell the Lord, make me fertile soil. Yes, Lord, I give you permission to make me fertile soil. Weed out from my life everything that's keeping me from being an instrument in, in spreading your love. God is a jealous lover because God is God and we are not. And there is only one God. And the first commandment is to love the Lord our God with our whole heart and mind and soul, with all our strength, our whole being. And, and anything, if we put anything in front of that love, that's idolatry. That's idolatry. You know, unfortunately, we use the word love very carelessly in our society. And we talk about, I love this and I love that and I love uh, the bah. You know, no, I love the Lord my God and I love my neighbor. <laughs> God first, my neighbor second. I hear the music again. Thank you for all of you who are joining us. Thank you for our benefactors. Thank you for those who volunteer to help us, those who offer their prayers and sufferings for us. We'll be right back with more on Bible with the Barbers, talking about the kingdom of God. So get your friends to tune in. Get your friends and family to tune in. Don't go away. Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, Call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, the 18th of March, 2022. Um, again, this is we're talking about the kingdom of God is at hand, and now we're talking about the proclamation of the kingdom. So to whom does the kingdom belong? Paragraph 544. The kingdom belongs to the poor and the lonely. The poor and the lowly which means those who have accepted it with humble hearts. Okay, so this isn't just spiritual poverty. This is, this is a, a, a humbleness of heart where we humble ourselves before God and say, I need you and I want you and I want you to fill me with your love. Jesus is sent to preach the good news to the poor. Luke 4, 18, and then compare Luke 7, 22. He declares them blessed, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Matthew 5, 3. This is the Sermon on the Mount, or from the Sermon on the Mount, or the Sermon on the Plains. We have blessed are the poor in the one version, and blessed are the poor in spirit. But it's, it's, it's the same in the sense that it's not. The one is emphasizing poverty, because if we choose the Lord, we want to give up everything of this world. We're willing to do that. We're willing to become poor, to follow him. He was poor. We'll we'll, we'll come to that too. To them, the little ones, the father is pleased to reveal what remains hidden from the wise and the learned. Remember, (laughs) Jesus rejoices in the the spirit and he says, Father, I praise you for you have hidden from the word, what you have hidden from the word, the learned and the clever you have revealed to the little ones. See Matthew 11, 25. Jesus shares the life of the poor from the cradle to the cross. Remember, he's born in a stable. There's no room for him in the end. He has to flee to Egypt and live in, in, um, in exile. 
He has to, he goes back and he doesn't come from a rich family. His father is a worker. St. Joseph, who's his protector and his guardian, is a hardworking man. Okay? So they're not living in abject poverty. They have a sufficiency of this world's good, but they don't have a lot of extra. (laughs) There's not a lot of extra coming out there, you know? Jesus shares the life of the poor from the cradle to the cross. He experiences hunger, thirst, and privation. And you can look through the Gospels, you know. There are many references there. Jesus identifies himself with the poor of every kind and makes active love toward them the condition for entering his kingdom. I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was homeless and you welcomed me. I was sick or in prison and you visited me. This, the beatitude, you know, the, the, um, not the beatitudes, that, that was blessed are the poor in spirit, I'm sorry. The, 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 the works of mercy, we call them. And this Jesus said, and if you didn't do these things, there's no place for you in my kingdom. And again, you can look at Matthew 25, 31 through 46, where he gives that talk. Jesus gives that <laughs> description of what the last judgment will look, on, look like. Jesus, paragraph 545, Jesus invites sinners to the table of the kingdom. I came to call not the righteous, but sinners. Remember when they complained that he was eating with sinners? Mark 2. 2.17, and then it also says, compare 1 Timothy 1.15. Jesus has no problem with the fact that we're sinners in the sense that he doesn't hate us. He doesn't, he doesn't like our sins. As a matter of fact, he hates the sin because of what the sin does to us. It destroys us. It destroys his image in us. It makes us his enemies. It makes us enemies to ourselves. It, sin divides us from ourselves and from our neighbor and from God. <laughs> It makes a miserable world. And God hates sin, but he loves the sinner. And he wants to save the sinner. I came to call sinners. The doc- the sick, people don't, sick people need a doctor, not the well. Well, people don't need a doctor. It's the sick. If you're healthy, you don't need a doctor. It's when you're sick, you need a doctor. He invites them to that conversion without which one cannot enter the kingdom, but shows them in word and deed his father's boundless mercy for the, them and the vast joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Remember what Jesus said? There's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 who don't need to. But remember, it's through conversion. He says, repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent. We have to give up our sins. We have to make an effort to give up our sins. We have to make an effort to change our life and look at our life and say, what is it that's leading me away from God? And start weeding those things out of our lives. Begin with mortal sin. And by the way, any deliberate contemptuous breaking of any of the Ten Commandments is mortal sin. That all of the Ten Commandments are serious moral evil. So don't have contempt for the law. But humble ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, we need your help. We're weak, we're little, we're prone to sin. We need your help not to sin. We need your help to be humble and to be patient and to be loving and to give to the, the, the poor and, and to take care of our own family sometimes. Sometimes the hardest people to take care of is our very own family. We need to begin in home. Mother Teresa always said that. She said, begin. The greatest poverty is not to be loved. That's the greatest poverty. 
is not to be loved. You see people in third world countries who have love in their family, love in their village, love in their tribe, and they are joyful. They're bubbling with joy because they know love. And you see people in the West who have all the material benefits you could think of, all the material blessings, and that we're miserable and we're complaining and we whine and cry about, oh, but I don't have this and I don't have that. No, I can't drive a Maserati or I can't drive a Ferrari or I can't drive whatever is the newest whatever. And it's like, no, you're not, those things aren't going to fill you because the hole in your heart is a God-sized hole, Bishop Sheen would say, and only God can fill it. Only God brings it, and it's only the love of God that brings us happiness. When we have love, we are truly rich, truly, truly rich, even if we're materially poor. So when we're humble and we have love, we are so wealthy. We are so blessed in God's love. So we have to repent of our sins, okay? And this is what God wants. He doesn't wish the death of the sinner. I don't know how many of you are going to daily mass for Lent, but there more of us can go. Listen to the readings. As I live, says the Lord, I do not wish the death of the sinner, but that he turn to me and repent. I want him to live. I want him to live in me. But what does that require? The supreme proof of God's love will be the sacrifice of his own love, life for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus Christ, Matthew 26, 28. He will give his life for us to free us from sin if we're willing to accept his grace and his help, if we're willing to admit we need him. So Jesus' invitation, paragraph 546, to enter his kingdom comes in the form of parables. He tells us stories, a characteristic feature of his teaching. <laughs> Go through the Gospels. How many parables? You know, He taught them in parables, it says, Mark 4, 33 and 34. He taught them in parables. He gave them stories. Through his parables, he invites people to the feast of the kingdom. But he also asks for a radical choice. He asks us to make a radical choice. To gain the kingdom, one must give everything. We have to give up everything. Compare Matthew 13, 44 and 45 and Matthew 22, 1 through 14. Remember he says, the man who puts his hand to the plow and keeps looking back is not worthy of me. Give up everything. Everything lies ahead. This is how the martyrs, this is how the saints could give up everything because they knew everything that's behind me, the things of this world, they can't fill me. It's only God who can fill me. It's all up ahead of me. I need to strive to reach for heaven. And heaven has already reached down to reach for me. So I just have to take the hand of the Lord and let him pull me up. Words are not enough. Deeds are required. Okay, remember that, you know, that we have the, the, the description of the last judgment where, where Jesus says to those on his right, I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was homeless and you sheltered me. I was sick or in prison and you visited me. Lord, when did we do that? Whenever you did it to the least of my brothers. So it requires an action. Our faith is not, a, 
It's not just a passive, okay, Lord, I believe I can sit here in my chair now and you're going to take care of the world and fix everything. And No, we have to do our part. We have to pray. We have to sacrifice. We have to give up our sins. We have to repent of our sins. And then we have to serve our neighbor in charity. Beg God to perfect love within us. God is love. You know, this is why he made us free. This is, and he won't violate our free will. We have to choose him. So we need to ask for the grace to be able to believe so that we can choose. Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Faith comes through hearing. And once we've heard, we need to pray for more faith and more hope and more charity every day. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I trust you, strengthen my trust. I hope in you, increase my hope. I love you, let me love you more and more. And Therese of Lezou prayed, my God, lend me your love with which to love you, that you may be loved as you deserve. And Jesus, lend me your heart with which to love my neighbor so that I may love my neighbor as you have commanded me. Deeds are required. The parables are like mirrors for men. Will he, for any man, will he be hard soil or good earth for the world? So the parable is like a mirror and I can look at myself in the mirror. What am I going to choose? No, Lord, I don't want your help. I don't need your help. I'm a self-made man. I can do it. I did it my way. Well, if we tell God we don't need his help, <laughs> he respects our free will. We have to humble ourselves and, and admit, Lord, I need you. I need you, Lord. I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Lord, how I need you. So are we going to be good Soil, or are we going to be hard soil? We're coming up against another break. We're talking about the kingdom of heaven. And we need to accept the kingdom of heaven. We need to invite God in. We need to set our will to do his will. Don't go away. We'll be right back. This is exciting, exciting truths that Christ has given us. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, March 18th, 2022. And again, like us on Rumble, like us on Facebook, share us with your friends, share us abundantly, <laughs> share it with everybody you know, and and let them know that we're out there and we're, we're just trying to preach the gospel and trying to let people know that the Lord loves them. So we're talking about the kingdom of God and we're talking um, Jesus and the presence of the kingdom in this world are secretly at the heart of his parables. When he tells these stories, it's about his kingdom. Okay. And what his kingdom looks like. Repent of your sins, love your neighbor. God loves you. Love one another as I have loved you. Jesus tells us at the last supper, one must enter the kingdom that is, become a disciple of Christ in order to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And you can find that in Matthew 13, 11. For those who stay outside, everything remains enigmatic. Mark 4, 11, and compare Matthew 13, 10 through 15. Remember, he tells his apostles, I, 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 I explain my parables to you, but to everyone else, there's, I just speak in parables. I don't explain them. So it's enigmatic because he doesn't explain it. So what are the signs of the kingdom of God? Jesus accomplishes his words 
accompanies, excuse me, Jesus accompanies his words with many mighty works and wonders and signs, which manifest the kingdom is present in him and attests that he was the promised Messiah. So the miracles are there, Acts 2, 22, and compare Luke 7, 18 through 23. They're there to attest to him. They're like credentials, but they're not supposed to get stuck in the miracles. We're not supposed to get stuck there. We're supposed to come to the person, the person who loves us. As a matter of fact, the three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the most blessed Trinity, and especially the Son, who actually became man to live among us. He's very close to us. Paragraph 548, the signs worked by Jesus attest that the Father has sent him. They invite belief in him. To those who turn to him in faith, he grants what they ask. Compare Mark 5, 25 to 34. So miracles strengthen faith in the one who does the Father's works. They bear witness that he is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. That's what he compared. That's what he claimed for himself. Remember, that's why they put him to death. And, and you can look at John 10, 31 through 38, but also at his, at his um, trial. Finally, the Pharisees say, well, he has to die because he claimed to be God's son. And that's blasphemy. So he has to die. Yeah, it was real clear why they were putting him to death. They didn't want to believe that he was truly the son of God made man. But his miracles can also be an occasion of offense. They are intended to sat. They are not, excuse me. He doesn't work his miracles to wow people or satisfy their curiosity. That's not what Jesus is about. He's not here to put on a show. It's not a side circus. He's not entertaining people. Okay, that's not it. Okay, and some people reject him. Remember, they saw his works and they rejected him. Remember when he raises Lazarus from the dead. It says there in the Gospel of John that because... Of that, of that incident, many Jews were going over to Jesus and believing him in. And the Pharisees made a plot to kill Lazarus too. <laughs> because so many people were believing in Jesus because they knew. Lazarus had been in the tomb already four days. It wasn't, there was no like Jairus' daughter. They could have said, well, you know, she just fell asleep and he woke her up. With Lazarus, no. He had been dead for four days. Even the widow of name. They were taking her son out to bury him, but they hadn't buried him. It was maybe he was just asleep and Jesus woke him up, but not with Lazarus. So they were going to kill him. The Pharisees rejected Jesus. He is even accused of acting by the power of demons. Remember that? He cast out demons by the prince of demons? Whoa. Are you serious? Yeah, that's what people said. I mean, you can see, these, you can see the love and the joy and the, the peace and and, and look at all that he has to offer and people can reject him and say, I don't want that. Yeah, we have to ask God for the grace to humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves. Paragraph 549, and this is so important. By freeing some individuals from the earthly evils of hunger, injustice, illness, and death, Jesus performed messianic signs. The Old Testament foretold that the Messiah would do this. So these are messianic signs. They are signs that the Messiah is present in your midst. Okay? Nevertheless, he did not come to abolish all evils here below. Someone once said, Jesus didn't come to eradicate human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence. And I believe it was the Frenchman who inspired Dorothy Day. 
to start her Catholic workers. That we see God in every human being and we realize that we can't eradicate human suffering, but we're here to serve out of love. Out of love, we serve our neighbor because God is love. And out of love, we freely choose God. And if we don't, we, if we don't freely, if we don't choose with our will to, to accept God, God will not force himself upon us. He doesn't want robots. He doesn't force people to believe in him. You know, it, 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 of course, there's that line from that, with that movie, Father Stu, you know, and, and I guess Father says to the old man, he says, well, I'll pray for you. And, and the old man says, now you're messing with my free will. <laughs> yeah, if God gives him enough grace, he might just choose God. and He might just change his ways. <laughs> and, but see, there's that resistance. We have that resistance. It's incredible. God is omnipotent. He speaks the word and it happens. He said, let there be light. And it was there. You know, he created the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth and everything that's on the earth and everything that is good God made by just simply commanding it. But he won't save us unless we say, yes, Lord, I want to be saved. He will not violate our free will because he wants love. He is love and he wants us to love. And it is love that will elevate us and lift us up. And how does that love come? Jesus came to free men from the gravest slavery, sin. He came to free us from sin. Sin is slavery. It is simple as that. Hollywood, you know, all, all of the perpetrators of the culture of death, Planned Parenthood and all of the senators and representatives who think that they're going to bring peace to this world by killing people. No, sin enslaves you. You're a slave of sin. If you're serving sin, you're a slave of it. We need to cut sin out of our life. We need to stop the killing of innocent human beings. It needs to be stopped. It's an offense against God and it cries out to heaven for vengeance. And we need to stop the breaking of God's Ten Commandments and acting like God doesn't exist. God does exist. As a matter of fact, the only thing that gives a militant atheist any sanity at all is the existence of God because it's insane to militate against that which doesn't exist. So you militant atheists out there, why are you militating against something that doesn't exist if you really don't believe in God? But are, is it really that you're angry? You're angry at God about something. Tell him. Tell him you're angry. And ask him to help you to get over that anger because he wants you to know the peace and the joy and the beauty and the goodness of loving him and being loved by him. He wants us to give up sin. Why? Because it thwarts our vocation as sons of God and causes all forms of human bondage. You know, people say, what's wrong with the world? <laughs> Soldier Nitzen one time, somebody said, you know, people ask me, what's wrong? What went wrong with my country? Soldier Nitzen, he was a Russian dissident who fought against the communists. He opposed them with intellectually, right? And he was outspoken about it. He said, I've written 50 books. I've read over 200 books. And basically, if you want to know what went wrong with Russia, in the Bolshevik Revolution and the Communist Revolution, this is what happened when man forgets God. This is what happens when man forgets God. 
United States of America, people of the world today, have we forgotten God? Are we casting God out of our life and allowing the world, the flesh, and the devil to replace him? Titillation, you know, just, just entertainment, our sports, our just going to work. I just want to go to work eight hours a day and come home and sit in front of a TV for six hours until I go to sleep. What kind of life is that? That's a life of utter laziness and sloth to the worst degree and just living for myself and my own self, my own physical pleasure. Our bodies are passing away. They're going to die. We're all going to die. It's okay. God loves us. He wants to bring us to heaven. I remember when my father was dying and he was actually dying. Every, every majorly bodily function was shutting down. My father was 86 years old. He wasn't supposed to live past 55 because he had tuberculosis and his lungs were so filled with calcified lesions that he could barely get any oxygen. Um, they managed with a experimental medicine to reduce those calcifications and he did live to be 86 years old. But at 86, his body was just like, I'm worn out. My heart is tired of pumping with this oxygen deprivation I've been living with for 86 years, since he was 16. He got tuberculosis when he was about 16. So for, for 70 years, and he was just tired. And the doctors were like, well, you know, they couldn't say it. Three different doctors came in. I wasn't there. But they, they, and one was saying, well, you know, um, he's, he, his body's shutting down. And one of them said, well, we don't know what's happening, but he's retaining a lot of fluid. And another one said something else. And finally, my sister who was there said, one of my sisters who was there looked at him and said, are you trying to tell me that my father is dying? And she looked at the doctors and she said, it's okay. It's okay. We're not living for an eternity on this earth. We want to go to heaven. And my father wants to go to heaven. He's been preparing for this all his life. He's not, this is not a problem. We'll miss him. We'll be sad when he's gone, but it's okay. It's okay. And this is what we have to know. What we want to give up is sin. We don't have to worry about clinging to life in this world. We don't have to worry about clinging to our money. We don't have to worry about clinging to, you know, whatever, any material thing. We want to love the Lord our God with our whole heart, mind, and soul and accept his love and let his love transform us and change us into a living image of himself to be a light of the kingdom of God here on earth, to spread his kingdom, to be the light of Christ, to allow Christ to live in us and shine through us. And we're coming up to the end of the hour. Again, I want to thank all the radio stations who pick us up. I want to thank Rumble and Facebook, and I want to thank um, our listeners, those who have the app on their phones, those who listen on the computer. Thank all of those of you who support us with your material your material support, those who pray for us, those who offer your sufferings for us. Thanks to all of you who volunteer to help us. We couldn't do this work without the help of other people working together to build the kingdom of God. And some people wonder, what is Virgin Most Powerful Radio about? We want to build the kingdom of God on earth. That's what we want to build. And sometimes we have to look at the ugliness, but then we want to look to God to solve the problem of the ugliness. And part of that solution is let's give up the sins, get to confession right now today or this weekend. Thank you for joining us. Join us again next week.